homeless in Hollywood to living his dreams in New Mexico? What? Welcome to the Joyous Expansion Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Dupree, scouring the globe to bring you stories of courage, passion, and resilience. If I could sum up this podcast into one word, I would use empathy. Now let's get inspired. Welcome to the Church of Awesome Podcast. I am your host, once again, Brett Dupree. I just drank an entire bottle of wine and I feel good. But today we have an interview with Evan Safford. And if there's any episode for me to record the first part while drinking an entire bottle of wine, this one is the one because Evan's story is so out there, so awesome, so inspirational that I just have to share it with you as soon as possible. But first, I like to talk about what's going on in my life because if I can't be vulnerable, how can I expect my guests to be vulnerable? Well, as I said, I did drink an entire bottle of wine. I went to this place called New Seattle. They're doing this two for your dinner for two, and I'm calling it dinner for two for one because I ate it myself. It's a thing called bunny chow, and it's a uh, South African dish, and it's curry that's in a square bread bowl, and it's delish. And it was a nice kale salad with a bunch of fancy things. I had a brownie-type thing. I think makala or makavla. I don't remember the name. It was fine. It also came with a bottle of wine. It was $45, and I ordered it to go. I didn't order to go. I ordered it for takeout, so I drove all the way to Seattle, of course. This is before I drank the bottle of wine, don't drink, and drive. It's me being a patriot, yes. Before, I was just a glutton, but now I'm a patriot because I support local businesses. This is April 8th of 2020, and if you understand what's going on, the COVID-19 situation is going on, and it is an interesting time to be alive, dealing with the emotions that it takes and dealing with my personal anxieties as well. And I could say this, as I am feeling buzzed right now, I probably ate, you know, ate both bunny chows since there's two of them. Salad wasn't that big. I thought it'd be more salad, but... I think that's why I'm not completely drunk right now because everything is just soothing into the bloodstream and uh, wine generally hits me harder later anyway. So I'm feeling a lot more coherent than I thought I would be, but I could see the benefit of drinking while doing this because this is really stressful dealing with this situation and there's almost more stress because we look like we're turning a tide. Yeah, we're turning the tide on it with our social distancing. But that just brings this fear in me that, number one, people are going to not take it serious anymore when we still need to take it serious, at least for 22 more days at the very least. I'm in the Seattle area, and I believe we're shut down until May the 4th. Yeah, for over 20-something days. But today, I even saw more people at Grand Coulomb Park by where I live than usual as I was driving home. And I think people are either trying to not take it seriously as Seattle's doing well. We're starting to send some respirators back to other areas. We had this hospital just a week ago open up in our CenturyLink field. And I just read an article that we're sending it back because it looks like we have flattened the curve to the point where our hospitals can handle the situation. 
So that is a reason to celebrate, but it also fills me with anxiety because I deal with so many people. I like I got through 25 minutes of the 50 minutes of this David Eichel report where he talked, uh, interview where he tried to talk about how this is all played out and that this is just entire situation is the upper class people just you know created a lab type thing to take more control of the government and i only got 25 minutes in before i just had to stop listening to it because this obvious charlatan because that is what he is is a charlatan a grifter a liar because all you have to do is read science to know that this type of plague can happen and they've been talking about it over and over and over again and just because the simulations they ran is exactly what happened doesn't mean they created it it does mean that the simulations are correct because you know we're reaching the scientific point in our life where we can predict things that happen based off the information we have and the information we have is that we knew that a coronavirus which is what cove ah, sars 2 or something like that mer sars 2 i believe is what it's called is what it is and it causes the COVID-19 disease, we knew that was possible. We knew that could happen because science. We know crap. And I'm just saying that because it's true. And just listening to these people take advantage of this idea that's just frustrating because honestly, you have to imagine supreme, supreme competence. You have to be competent to an amazing point. The reality is this is supreme incompetence. And all conspiracy theorists work the same way. They say something is going to happen over and over again. And when they finally, that thing happens, that's when they cash in. They're like a psychic who says that one day a there will be a terrible president and all of a sudden Trump is elected. And they're like, see, this is the Knight Templar's quest for a terrible president to destroy this country. When... If you just do some semblance of research of incompetence and greed, you could see why an incompetent president like Trump would be elected. And that's frustrating to me. We not only live in interesting times, we just live in frustrating times. Because the reality is, yes, rich and powerful people are going to try to take advantage of this situation. That's 100% true. The government is not 100% to be trusted, but big corporations are also not to be trusted. But at the same time, neither are these grifter conspiracy theorists to be trusted because they're no different than the government. They're just trying a different way to weasel in and take your money and control you. They are the broken clock that is right twice. And that one time or two times they are correct is what they will just pound into your head and suck out your money. I used to be very big in conspiracy theories for like two years of my life. I listened to them all. I don't know if I ever actually believed in them, but I thought they were fun and interesting. And I could see it because honestly, I don't trust the government. I don't trust big businesses. Big celebrities are kind of weird. And it's not too out of the realm of possibility that there is a bigger conspiracy going on. But the one thing I noticed, the more I listened to them, the more these people were wrong. And then they had to double back to show how they are correct or change or say they didn't say the thing and they really meant this way. And that's how they make their money. Just taking a nugget of truth and manipulating it. And it's frustrating to see that happen. And it's also frustrating to see the rich and powerful take advantage of us. And it's just frustrating. This is just a frustrating time to be alive. But it's also an amazing time to be alive because I get to talk to amazing people who are striving to reach their goals, striving to reach their dreams. And this is one thing I love about doing this podcast. And one of those people I got to talk to was Evan Safford. When I did this interview, I thought it was special. And then I edited it. I'm like, yeah, this one is fun.
I am very much looking forward to you hearing Evan Safford's story. Evan Safford is a singer-songwriter who became homeless while trying to get a record deal in Hollywood. But now he joins us to talk about his new song, which is the third single release from the soundtrack of his original web series. And now he's dedicated the song to raising awareness about a topic that hits home for most of us. How does one go from being a pop singer trying to achieve relevance to now being a pop singer trying to save lives? And now here is my interview with Evan Safford. Hello, Evan, and welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Brett. It's really a pleasure to be here. So, Evan, tell people a little bit about yourself. Sounds like you're an artist. Definitely. Art really is my main purpose, in a sense, for living. First and foremost, I'm a singer-songwriter. About five years ago, I had went to L.A. It's been about roughly about a decade. I went to L.A. to pursue my dream after leaving my small town in New Mexico. And after pursuing it relentlessly, I ended up actually becoming homeless, literally sleeping on Hollywood Boulevard, you know, waiting for my mom to come to, you know, to basically come rescue me. It's because I would have done anything for my dream. And, you know, I basically tried to. So I had to come back home to my small town in New Mexico instead of, you know, making it so that it would be a tragedy in my life. I made it into a triumph by dramatizing it for entertainment purposes. And last year, I made a web series based on my last final days out in Hollywood. Exciting. So I'm curious, tell us about your first trip going to LA. What made you want to, what about music makes you want to pursue it as a dream? I think for me, at this point, it's that it's what I'm made to do. I've always been really good at a lot of things if I could put my mind to it. But one thing that really puts my soul to ease and, you know, one thing that really makes it so that I can feel like every part of my body, my soul, my mind is in tune with is definitely music. I feel like it's my purpose to really spread a message through my example and through my art. So what was the goal in going to LA? At the time, it was about 2009. So at that point, I think that along with everyone else, I was still caught up in the craze of wanting to get a record deal from American Idol, where they basically turn you into a superstar overnight. That's what I was really trying really hard to do. And when you're out there, it's really easy to get caught up in all of the chaos, all of the lies, you know, and of course, all the glamour, you know? <laughs> Did you audition for American Idol? I actually auditioned when I was 16, and then I auditioned when I was 17. I got told no. I snuck back in and got told, and got, and, um, and then got told no again when I was 17. <laughs> but that was before I actually moved to, to L.A. I moved to L.A. with my girlfriend. I was doing the whole 9 to 5 until eventually I quit my job to, to actually pursue it full time. It was going pretty good for a while. I ended up getting hired as a songwriter for this really cool up-and-coming rock girl group. But at the same time, I was building my own team. I had got my song into a movie. Things were going really good. Hey, though, it's important that you take risks. You have to take risks. And for me, I just took one too many. And really, overnight, I lost everything. Everything I worked for. Including everything I owned, by the way. You know, basically, I was left with, you know, almost naked, basically. <laughs> How does that actually happen? Well, landlords. <laughs> <laughs> my last place that I moved in, I moved into what was supposed to be a sober house. And it's funny because if you if you watch my web series, episode two and three, it actually really shows it. And I moved in with this uh, landlord and he was completely just trying to come on to me, telling me that if I did stuff that he would give me free rent. And at the time, because of, of my situation, instead of saying, hey, man, you're crazy, I need to go. Instead, I was like, you know what? I can handle this. 
I have other bigger fish to fry. So instead, I just kind of left it on, on the back burner. I was literally there for only five days. The last day I was there, I woke up to him trying to get, you know, waking me up, telling me to get out of his house. I try to take a shower and all of a sudden the door comes open and the man has a bat. So he chases me out of his house. <laughs> I call the cops. He calls the cops. When the cops get there, the cops say, well, um, well, I'm sorry, sir, but there's no proof that you live here. And I'm like, well, of course, well, all my it's in this man's house. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, what do you mean? Let me get in the house and there's proof. And it's like, well, it's basically your word against his. And of course, you know, I'm out there, you know, half naked with a cell phone, you know, uh, complaining about a man with a house, basically, who's supposed to be a sober house. So, you know, basically his word against mine. And he was good at what he did as far as conning people. It definitely wasn't his first time. And he got me good. I lost my computers, my clothes, everything. <laughs> really traumatic experience. <laughs> so it was a sober house. So before that, were you not sober? He didn't tell me it was a sober house until I was already moving in. He was advertising it as just a place to, you know, come stay. But like, I just say a sober house because it was just one of the things that, you know, the man tried to throw in because, of course, I smoke weed. At the time, I believe I might have been taking Xanax or whatever. N nothing crazy, you know, nothing that a normal 22-year-old doesn't take while they're living in L.A., you know? Well, I'm just curious. I never actually lived in L.A., so I don't know what drugs are popular down there. <laughs> Everything. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they have these like group homes out there, basically. So like, they'll have like homes. So there'll be like sometimes like 14 younger, uh, like younger people living in like one house. So I thought it was. But he basically tricked me into it being a sober house. And it was just one of the many lies that he told. You started going on, getting a song in a movie, and things look to be going well. Then all of a sudden, in a day, you lost everything you own and you become homeless. How did that affect you mentally? Self-esteem wise, I was having to question myself even more than, than usual because most days I think anybody, I'm sure that you can relate, you know, trying to pursue a career in this type of industry. Most people have to think that, oh, oh my God, you know, think, well, obviously you must be out of your mind to go after something so impossible to achieve. And once that happened, it was one of those things where it was, okay, I must have been doing something wrong. I must have been this, this, and that. It must have been my fault. It was such a devastating blow. It really, really was. And it took me a while to like really piece it together and really realize that, you know what? It was just a bad time. And really, honestly, it wasn't my fault. You know, I was just a young kid, a little bit too trusting. I guess that I should have paid more attention to what was going on and, and you know, made my home more of a priority. But in LA, if you meet one right person, your whole life can change. That's like, that's like the joke out there. Everyone's just waiting to meet that one right person. So it was one of those things where, you know what? I can hold off to this. This is at least a place for me to put my stuff. And literally the night that I moved in, I left and, you know, went out, you know, to, you know, LA or whatever, you know, go with the lifestyle. I didn't even stay there those five days. I came back the very last day that I had paid for just because I was exhausted and then I fell asleep. So I wasn't even there. So wow. I, <laughs> how long were you homeless? It was, thank God. It was only that night. I was having to be on Hollywood Boulevard just because that's where I knew well. It happened in North Hollywood. So I just ended up staying just kind of like at the Starbucks, waiting for my mom to drive from New Mexico to Hollywood to pick me up. But of course, you know, Starbucks closes. And then from there, you know, you're just kind of wandering Hollywood Boulevard along with everybody else. They call Hollywood Boulevard the real boulevard of broken dreams because there's so many people out there who were, in a sense, just like me, really just ended up losing it all because of the drugs, because of the lies, because of all those things. And at the time, I wanted to say I must be like them, but I'm not. I'm not. I would never give up on this goal because this is who I am. And for me, I will continue to pursue this, continue to do what I, what I was made to do until I die. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry to get all deep on you, but I'm just really passionate. <laughs> no need to apologize. That's the entire point. <laughs> 
So you hit this rock bottom and you go, how, how was that call with your mom? Um, <laughs> it was one of those things where I had been asking her for money, of course, to help me. And then at that point, I had called her and told her the situation. And of course, I tried to make light of the situation. It's like, oh, you know, it's okay. I just need this, this, and that. And then, you know, I'll be okay. And she was like, I'm going to come get you. And at that point, I just kind of, you know, just like put my hands up and surrendered. I'm just like, okay. It was hard though. I mean, even when she came to like pick me up, a part of me was finding, you know, any excuse to just stay a little bit longer. You know, any reason. I felt like I was married to LA and like, it was literally like she died when I had to leave. I loved her. I really did. <laughs> well, your first night back in New Mexico in your small town, how, how did you feel? How, did, how, how was that? I felt like I was supposed to give up. I felt like this is the time where everyone was expecting me to, you know, basically it's like, okay, you had a good run. It's time to throw in the towel. It's time to admit that whatever it is that all these other people got, you must not have it, accept it, and move on. I came too far. I, I've come too far to turn back now. You know what I mean? Like, it's like one of those things, am I going to do? You know what I mean? I'm going to keep going after it. In essence, this tragedy really shaped and actually gave my music and my art even much more purpose. Because by me going through this, I was able to really see that I didn't need Hollywood in that sense to become who I'm trying to, well, who I am to show the world who I am and, you know, who I'm going to be. It's just a matter of not letting these like outside forces really get you on the inside. And it's hard. I'm going to act like it's not, you know, especially coming back because of course I ran into everybody I knew, you know, and everybody's like, oh, you got far and oh, you're, you know, you know what I mean? Just like all that type of, you know, backstabbing. And, and it's just like, you're like pride gets in there. I learned a lot of humility. I started writing the web series called Help Hollywood. I'm trapped in New Mexico <laughs> in the winter of uh, 2018. And um, at that time, I decided that I was going to make a web series about it. Not only was I going to make a web series, but I was going to campaign to try to be nominated and win an Emmy Award. And in case maybe your viewers aren't familiar, the Emmy Award is the highest honor that one can receive in television and a web series. So it, it was like to me, it's like, if I'm going to do it, I do it the best. I mean, I'm going to go after the top, top of the line because I know that I have that capability and I work hard enough. I wasn't just going to do it, you know, casually. So of course, when I said that to people, they're like, wait, what the, f your first web series and you think you're going to be nominated for an Emmy? By the grace of God, I was able to finish it. I was able to submit it. I was able to cast my people, direct them all. We did it basically with no budget. Of course, we had to buy the camera equipment and stuff. My mom was right there with me the entire time, even though at time I was a very abusive acting coach. <laughs> we paid the $2,000 that you have to pay to be considered because you have to, of course, submit your show. You have to also put on a premiere because you have to campaign. Because, of course, it's, it's a lot of politics are involved. So, yeah, we put on two premieres. We premiered it May 31st, 2019. From there, it really has launched and put so much interest into my music. It's been amazing what's possible when we stop putting boundaries and limits on ourselves. It's just amazing, indescribable, in, in a sense. So what was the inspiration for you wanting to do this web series other than knowing that you can do it? What was the, the desire to share your story? I had to do it because I had to prove to everybody and not only everybody, but really to myself that there was a way to get out of my state of thinking and to continue to pursue my dream despite all of the reasons why it wasn't possible. It's hard enough to try to make it in LA, but when you're in a city like New Mexico, there's like a joke, and you know, everything closes at 8 p.m. This is considered one of the most poorest states. Of course, it's one of the most dangerous states, too. Because of that, there's really no support from fellow people out here. Not that much, really. My friends really weren't in, didn't want to be involved. My family, honestly, really didn't want to be involved. Thankfully, I was able to get in contact with a lot of the different filmmakers 
that are available out here. And I was able to convince these amazing actors to be a part of it just for the experience because they believed in the project. I just kept going at it with some crazy belief that it was going to happen. And these people around me believed it too. It was amazing. So you have all these people who didn't believe in you. Did you have anybody who did, like a mentor to help kind of push you through this? My mom, definitely. She's always been kind of my, really my, um, the one who, even if she doesn't understand me, she will attempt to understand me. And, you know, even at my grimiest, she can always see a diamond somewhere in there. Because of her, she was really right there with me, learning the whole filmmaking process. If there was any mentor, but no, I didn't really have any like actual, like, you know, person who was actually trying to like take me under their wing. I watched a lot of YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah, that is one of the best parts about the modern age is there is a lot of information out there to be able to do it yourself on YouTube or Udemy or other any other courses out there. It's really neat. You can do anything. It's amazing, right? It is so amazing. It just, with most people, it's just getting past that ability to like, you know, say like, oh, oh, well, really? You think you can do that? It's like, you know what? Yes, I'm going to do it. You just have to become a problem solver at any means necessary. That's basically what I've become. It's like anytime a problem comes, it's like, you know what? I'm going to figure out a way to make this happen, no matter what it is, because I'm going to make sure that this comes out on a certain day. I hate to say when I did premiere the show, it was kind of embarrassing because the sound was all over the place. I think during like the third episode, it went out. I literally had to tell you know everyone in the audience, I'm sorry. But at the end of the day, I gave myself a deadline, told myself I was going to do it, and I did it. And because of that momentum, the proof to myself that I could do it, from there, since then, I've been able to release my original music, which is basically a soundtrack from the album. And every single release that I've released since then has been bigger than the last one. It's amazing. So many people to thank for it. I got to say, having that correct mindset, having that almost childlike belief and foolishness to just continue to, to just continue to go after it, I believe that's what has got me here so far. Did you do anything to develop that mindset or is that just how you were raised? I'd like to think that, that it was, but honestly, I'm constantly having to make sure that my mindset's right. Whether it's by not having people around me who are in a certain type of mindset, whether it's, you know, stopping conversations that are going on around me to make sure that we all stay in the right mindset. Of course, a lot of YouTube videos, <laughs> a lot of music. It is a daily thing to have this type of mindset, especially in the world that we live in, because most of the time we are trained to automatically see the shit on the ground before we see the sun in the sky. To be able to work past that... I do you understand how that can be to like be optimistic in this like negative world? You know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. It's just something we do. I agree hundred percent about having to constantly work on it because honestly, I think naturally we are geared toward looking at the negative because if you look at the body, you know, humankind evolutionary, if you see something dangerous and you don't act on it right away, you're dead. But if you see something positive, you don't act on it right away. You still keep on going. So you want to make sure that stick isn't a snake. Exactly. Exactly. With like your podcast, you know, I can imagine because because I've been listening to a lot of your episodes and I noticed that really with like every episode, it really gets more intriguing as it goes on, you know, and it's I know that that's because it's like we have to require a certain standard as we continue on. That's always really difficult, too, because then it's like, OK, are we being positive or, you know, are we being, you know, negative? It's a crazy balance that we have to have. And it's a lot of, you know, basically just listening and watching it, you know what I mean, which can drive one crazy, but it's really, really necessary. Do you ever have to do that? When it comes to like editing like your podcast and like, do you ever listen to your episodes afterwards, you know, or, you know, like to like again and again and again? <laughs> I only listen to them generally twice when I first do it and then when I edit them. 
That's a good rule of thumb. Yeah, because I've definitely driven myself crazy editing. <laughs> you decided to tell your story in a web series. And I know one thing that can happen is some sort of fraud phenomenon. This idea of like, who will want to see you? Did you go through that when you decided to, when you got started? I've heard, is it, um, are you referring to like the like imposter syndrome, basically? Yeah. The imposter syndrome. Another <laughs> word for the fraud phenomenon. That's amazing that you bring that up because I was just talking to a friend about that. And for the life of him, he did not know what the fuck I was talking about. <laughs> it's amazing to talk to someone who is in the same you know, mindset who understands that. And yes, honestly, all the time, I feel like, who am I to be over here to be any of this stuff? Just this past Thursday, I released my latest song. And for the first time, I actually put on a show, which was where I was the actual headliner. The whole three weeks before, I was promoting it like crazy. I was on Instagram. I was on every single uh, dating website, you know, promising all types of things for people to come to this show. <laughs> and I really didn't think that people were going to come, you know, because even if who's going to come and by the grace of God, the show went on. It was successful. It's crazy because sometimes even when we have the proof, we still think that we're an imposter. Mm, definitely. From what I understand, even the most famous people still go through that. Right. I've kind of come to accept that with what we're doing, there is going to be a lot of downfalls as it was. Because, for instance, when we aim for perfection, there, of course, is going to be that feeling of not hitting it. Always of that inadequacy. And that just comes with trying to accomplish greatness. Because I sometimes talk to people who really don't have any ambitions. And that's one thing that they don't got to worry about, you know? <laughs> they don't have to worry about not trying to do better than themselves or trying to be better. But I don't know about you, but stuff like that keeps me up at night. <laughs> so tell people about your web series. What exactly is it and where could they find it? The web series is Help Hollywood, I'm Trapped in New Mexico. I did premiere it on YouTube, but if you go on Facebook, it has a lot more views when I uh, uploaded it there. <laughs> the whole story is basically exactly what happened when I was living in LA. It's going to show the really creepy landlord who tried to come on to me. And then, of course, it's going to show what ended up happening with the police. And then um, it also goes in the events of how I had to rebuild my life out here coming back to New Mexico. Just as an ode to my city, the last episode six, its storyline crosses paths with Breaking Bad plotline. But that was really interesting to write. Basically, by the conclusion of it, I do realize, my character realizes that he can make it in New Mexico. It is possible. I'm actually about to begin production on season two, which is going to be showing basically the adventures of Evan trying to make it out here and the crazy things that he has to deal with. That's been really exciting to have a lot of support for that season too. But right now, really, I've just been really trying to focus on, on really getting on building credibility, first and foremost, as a music artist. This last song that I released called Live Like You Can't Die, definitely one of the most experimental tracks I've ever done. Most people would definitely consider me a pop star. I mean, um, like a pop artist. First, I've called myself a pop star for the outcast. But this song really is more of a electronic, really kind of dark song. It still has the message that is really continuous in my music, which is basically that it's better to have tried and it's better to go after what you want with what you have than for what you don't have or, you know, to, to like live in that regret. This music video too that was released, I tried to show that. If you guys go to my YouTube page, you'll see the actual music video and it kind of shows the whole process of what it's like to be an artist being knocked down by a crowd. But by the end, he, of course, succeeds through just ignorance <laughs> just by trying again just by continuing to just by continuing to just go after it and saying no matter what people think it's like no this is going to happen in the video it happens so <laughs> i don't know, remember if you said did you get nominated for it did you get your nomination for an emmy no i didn't <laughs> didn't get nominated the shows that won by the way they were all from like because 
it was a web series category. Still NBC, ABC, all like all those networks, they still managed to put their shows in there. So, you know, let's just say I have the money to compete with their campaigns. <laughs> but I tried, though. I really did. I threw two red carpet premieres. I played the game, though, so... I got pretty close. <laughs> All right. Well, well, yeah. Well, congratulations on creating a movie. That's more than most people who create a movie and go through the campaign. That's really awesome. Way to go for it, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. We are coming to the end of our time together. And one thing I like to ask my guests is to give a one minute of motivation. You can imagine this as if you have a time machine and you go back to your eight-year-old self. You need to convey what you need to succeed. But you only have a minute until you are plopped back to the future. Or you can think of it as if you're condensing your life message into a minute. So are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. We're taught so much is impossible. They leave out even you You're a miracle But if you just keep your head down Then you'll never see it Either you're always dying Or you are living There's my advice Thank you so much for being on my pa- pa- <laughs> podcast. One thing I enjoyed is listening to your story. It's very interesting. Listen to somebody who went for it and didn't got knocked down on their butt by reality, but didn't let that reality stop you from continue moving forward and taking your story and making it into something that someone can watch and be inspired to go for their story, go for their lives. Plus, sharing your story is just something special that happens and it can really touch people. So thank you so much for being on my podcast and thank you for what you bring to this world. Brett, if it wasn't for you inviting me on this podcast, what I do, people would never ever hear. So thank you so much for for, giving me this shot. It really does make my life work worth it. Thank you. May your day be special. Thank you, Brett. And there you have it, folks. That is my interview with the Evan Safford. Wasn't that interesting? I remember when I first started my podcast, I wanted to talk to interesting people. And yes, most of the people I've talked to have been life coaches and other people trying to reach people and sell them things. But I, I wanted to open it up to many different types of people, which is one reason I had Philip Samore on my second episode because he was a reporter, but he had something to say. And the reality is most people have something to say. Most people have an amazing story. In fact, you have an amazing story and you should come on my podcast to tell it because I love listening to people's stories. And when I got to Evan's story, I knew I hit something special. I enjoy most of my interviews. There are some I do not like. I'm not going to say which ones, but they generally range into more of the infomercial or them trying to sell me on their thing rather than talking about themselves because a lot of people put a veneer over themselves of I am a business person putting on their business person coat, putting on their business person mask, and then trying to sell their thing when in reality, if you open your heart and be vulnerable to people and come from a place of who you truly are, and being authentic, I truly believe that will reach more people. I mean, unless you're a Tony Robbins or a Joe Dispenza or any of those people, but I truly believe that even most of the people who make it big are the people who found a way to show their vulnerable side. I went to Oprah's big event and she gets vulnerable with her audience as she talks about her past and talking about and making a lot of jokes that I'm surprised that a black woman would make to a mostly white woman audience. But she did make those jokes of having her dream of being a black 
woman talking to a bunch of white folks and talking about that in a vulnerable way. And Evan was vulnerable. His story is, it's inspiring. Someone who's going for his dream, someone who created his own web series, put his own money up, shot for the moon to make an Emmy campaign, and he did not make it, but as... Les Brown says, if you shoot for the moon, if you don't make it, at least you'll be among the stars. And Evan is among the stars. This is why I do my podcast. I can just listen to him talk. And this is why the stories I want to hear. And it's inspiring. I love the way he goes for it. I love the way he lives like he can't die. I love the way he's trying to remove stigma from drug users because, you know, as one thing you've heard in my podcast and we'll hear in the future because there's still another drug addict to come or ex-drug addict, I should say, in that regard, is that most people are decent. A vast majority. I would say 90% of the people are just people trying to make it. And even of that 10%, probably 90 to 99% of those are people who really just got put in a very terrible situation. And if they were put not in that situation, they would do their best to just have the white picket fence and live a life like most of us want to live. It's really a small majority of people who want to do harm. And most of us have an amazing story. And yes, I want to listen to, I want to do interviews with sex workers and even drug dealers or anybody who is going for their life and going for their dreams. And I'm not trying to lump in Evan with those people. I'm just saying it's not just life coaches and hypnotherapists and wellness coaches who have great stories. It's people like Evan and just listening to these stories are inspiring. So if you want to check out more about Evan, I will definitely put a link to his YouTube because he did not share that for some reason in the description. And this is the outro he sent me. I now call it call to action because that makes more sense. And you can join Evan on his journey by following him on Instagram at Evan is the entertainment and on Facebook at Evan Safford, the music. Both will be linked in the description. Stream his new song, Live Like You Can't Die on Spotify now. And keep the conversation going about destigmatized mean drug users, the hashtag live can't die and that my friends is episode 64 of the joyous expansion podcast if you want to email me you can at bre2tsdpr2es at joyousexpansion.com if you want to get in touch with me and check me out you can go to joyousexpansion.com or episodes at pod.joyousexpansion.com you can follow me on instagram at joyousexpansion on twitter on joyousexpansion on facebook is increase your joy because my seo game is not that good if you made it this far in my podcast, just know that I love you for who you are. And if you can share this podcast, like, subscribe, whatever, leave a review, whatever you can do to help this podcast go out to more people. I'll greatly appreciate you even more and love you for even more than what I do right now. And if you are this far, just know that I love you and it's not the bottle of wine talking. I am Brett Dupree, once again, your champion of authentic joy, catalyst of transformation and joy's expansion life coach, reminding you to be love, to be joy to be awesome. Now play my jingle. JoyousExpansion.com JoyousExpansion.com Come and say hello to Brett Dupree. He is an inspirational life coach. Good for you and good for me. He turned my life from gray to blue. I'm sure he'll do the same for you. Get in touch and you'll see. Your life will change dramatically. JoyousExpansion.com JoyousExpansion.com Yeah!